Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to Dragon Quest FM. My name is Austin. And I'm BJ. And today we're talking about Dragon Quest 2. Uh, we had a listener poll. This is the topic everybody chose. Uh, so thanks again to everyone who voted. Uh, I think we're going to be holding another poll soon, so make sure you keep an eye out for that. Now, we are going to be discussing this game pretty in-depth, and it is like 30 years old. So just a fair warning, there are going to be some spoilers ahead. Uh, before we jump straight into all of the Dragon Quest II goodness, though, we wanted to take a moment and just thank all of our new patrons on our uh, podcast brand spanking new Patreon. So, uh, BJ, you want to take it away? And I promised everybody who pledges to our Patreon a real nice thank you. So let me give a real nice thank you to Steve Whitcamp. You are a fantastic human being. Mike Sweet, I just love you. Justin Andrew Mason, you are a fantastic human person. I love you so much. Andy Hildebrandt, oh boy, Andy. Ooh, Andy. And DJ Pimp Daddy, you sure are the pimpiest daddy of all them DJs. Thank you. Real good. Is that really? Uh-huh. Is that what a real good thank you is? That it's is. Just like you ham up your southern accent. I do. That's that's what I do. Oh well, that's weird. <laughs> anyway, so uh, for those of you who don't know uh, about Dragon Quest Two, I'm just gonna power on through here. Uh, so Dragon Quest Two, it is a direct sequel uh, to the very first Dragon Quest game. Uh, this one it's set about 100 years after the events in the first game. It focuses on three cousins. They're all the descendants of Erdrick, and they're trying to save the world from this evil sorcerer, Hargon. Uh, basically, you get to run around just this fairly open world, uh, and you kill stuff with your cousins. So, uh, so it's pretty fun. It's it's really neat too that it's a direct sequel to Dragon Quest One, which is kind of a sequel to Dragon Quest Three. When you get to the story, like Dragon mm-hmm. Quest Two is the last in terms of story for the Erdrick trilogy, so it goes like three one two if you're going to play them all the way through story order, like chronological order. Mm-hmm. Uh- and then, so two, before we get too far into this, I just want to add, I forgot to mention this earlier, but I did play the mobile version on iOS. That's the one I played and beat this game on. Right. Uh, you've played the Game Boy Color version a little bit and the uh, mobile version, yeah. correct? And actually, yeah, I've played the, the Game Boy Color version. Um, I've tried the Super Nintendo version, the Super Famicom version of it, and uh, really didn't like it that much. And then the uh, the remake that they had done for it, and then I'm actually playing through the mobile version right now, which honestly I like better than either of the other two that I've tried. So this is going to be the one, like I haven't beaten this one, but it's the one that's a lot more fun just overall all to play so i really like the the mobile version of this one like you would play through is there a, is there a certain reason why you prefer the mobile 
I like the I like the battles better for some reason on the others like going through this one while I keep I actually keep dying in the beginning of this like I always do <laughs> at the beginning of a Dragon Quest game like I I I realize that I need to do more battles in Dragon Quest games like I always get killed a few times at the beginning of especially one of the older Dragon Quest games and I never just grind up a couple of levels to keep going so I always try to explore and I go back to the beginning and it seems less penalizing in the Game Boy, not Game Boy, it seems less penalizing the iOS version or maybe the Android version too, the mobile version, and than it does in any of the others. So I like this one a lot better just in terms of that. And the quick the quick save, is that what it's called? I quick can't remember the, uh -huh. the quick save part of it. I couldn't remember if it was something else like memo save or whatever, but it it really does make a ton of difference in these uh, in these mobile games to be able to just quick save and restart if you need to. And do you remember... Uh, what names the game gave you for your like the default names for your oh, characters? I don't remember right now. No. Okay, because the reason I ask that is so I I beat this game way back in like January, so it's been yeah. a while. But um, so just for those of you who don't know, the three characters we have our main hero. He's the Prince of Mindhall. Uh, there's the Prince of Kanek, and I mm -hmm. assume these are, this is how you pronounce these things. But uh, so there's the Prince of Minhal, the Prince of Kanek, and then there's the Princess of Moonbrook. But the names uh, are like randomly generated, I guess. And oh, so are the reason, they? yeah. So the reason I was wondering is because uh, like the the I just went with the names that it gave me. Like you can Same name your me. you can name your hero, but like the Prince of Kanek and the Prince of Moon Princess of Moonbrook, I went ahead and just went with the default and. The Princess of Moonbrook, hers was fairly kind of something like I figured it would be. It was like Gwyneth or like Gwendolyn or something like that. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I assume is like a, is coded in there because of like Gwaylin, uh, the princess uh, from the first one. And, but the Prince of Kanak, it gave me a really weird name for him. His name was just like Tony or something. Huh. Like. Like it was like it's not like a weird name, but it's like a weird Dragon Quest name. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't like. There's not just necessarily just like I don't know. But anyway, I can't remember what the guy's name was. It was like Tommy or Tony or something like that. And I was so just one like, that you really do not expect in a in a DQ game. Yeah. And I'm trying to see. Like I'm going around right now and talking to uh, talking to NPCs and see if they'll tell me again. And I can't, it's not telling me what the defaults were. Like, I just went with them. I was going to name them something silly. And then I decided just to go with, uh, go with what it was. And I cannot, I can't find any NPC right now telling me what they are that I chose. Uh -huh. So I didn't realize they were randomly generated either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. I'm not sure how, uh, how, like, I think that's a cell phone thing. I think it's for the mobile versions. Right. Um, I think that was one of the new things they added in for the mobile versions is just like it's like a randomly generated name instead of you like uh, naming each of the three main characters. It gives you uh, like a recommendation, I guess is what right. you want to call it. And so um, I don't know. I was just curious kind of what the because I'm not sure I haven't read anything that's like a list of uh, like the all the different names that are possible. And it may be that no one knows. It may just be like this incredibly long list. And it may even be one of those things where it's like, where, you know, they take like, they take certain sounds and then they yeah. just kind of make names out of them randomly. So you can end up with like really absurd names for things. 
is it weird that I want to restart this game because I'm really not that far into it that uh, that I want to do it so I can rename the characters then if those aren't the official names? Uh, it's kind of weird, yeah. I mean, they don't have official names, so does it really I know, matter? it's like, why would I does name it... them these stupid names I don't know, I don't care about? <laughs> it's like, I want to name them something I care about now. It, it's weird. Like, I'm, I'm seriously looking at my phone right now and being like, I'm not far enough along in this to have dumb names for 10 hours. It's uh, That's me, you guys. That's the kind of stuff I care about in video games. <laughs> that's so, why I like Dragon Quest Nine though, because I got to give them all the names that I wanted and completely uh-huh. customize them. Like, I saw that Sack Chief did a video of ranking all of the, the Dragon Quest games, and mm-hmm. Dragon Quest Nine was talking about how it felt like less of a party because they didn't have their own stories and you couldn't do party chat and stuff like that because they, mm-hmm. they were like Dragon Quest Three, where you just made them. And I liked that. That was one of my favorite parts was being able to customize and and give them names. So realizing that I chose the default names in this one and not, and that wasn't a thing that matters. It's like, oh, I'm going to go rename these guys. I'm restarting. And and because that was my, like, literally my favorite part about uh, Dragon Quest IX. And what I'm looking forward to about Dragon Quest III is because I get to really create that party that I take with me. Gotcha. And I'll... I like the customization stuff, fine. And nine is still the only one I haven't played. I plan on getting into it after I beat uh, Builders too. But uh, I, I really like the party chat. You know, I know I've complained on right. here and on my blog about them taking it out of the DS version of Dragon Quest Four. And so I really do enjoy the party chat and just uh, you know, I'll waste a lot of time just going into the menu and going over to the party chat and seeing what funny things my party members say. So. Uh, so I can totally see that, how it would feel like less of a party because you can't get to talk to everybody because that is one of my favorite parts of especially later Dragon Quest games where they have that and you can just kind of talk to everybody and see. And also, if you, I like it because like with Aid especially, I took some breaks between it and so it's kind of convenient because you can pull up party chat and Yangus will be like, we're supposed to go over that, Gov, or whatever he calls yeah. you. I think he calls you Gov, He right? calls you Gov, yeah. Yeah, and so, uh, so I really like that about it. My uh, The thing about Dragon Quest 2, though... And that's you know, what I was going to ask, is do you uh-huh. have party chat in 2? Like, that wasn't invented yet when this game came out, but did they put it in for later remakes? I actually Like this don't, one, like the mobile one that you're, yeah, you were playing with. I actually don't know. I feel like... Um, I feel like you could talk to the party members in 2... Uh, but I could be wrong. Like I said, it's been so long since I played this game. Yeah. Um, that may be something uh, to follow up on because I'll, I'm not I'll sure. Be- I I vaguely remember it. The reason I think you can is because, um, so this is one of the spoilers here, but uh, the Princess of Moonbrook, when you first uh, encounter her, she's a dog. She's been turned into a dog. Oh, and that's so, what people are talking about. Okay. And so I remember her, I remember being able to like turn around and talk to the dog and the dog would be like, woof, woof. Or it'd be like the dog whimpers sadly and things like that. Right. And so I, I did, but I, I can't remember if it's because once the dog was in your party for that little bitty while, because you can talk to it and get the dog to join your party. You don't have to. You can just go get the item, turn her back into a human, and do all that stuff, do that little quest. But um, 
So I'm not really sure. I don't think it was party chat, though. I think I was just kind of like talking to the dog oh, okay. and got it into my party. Because if I remember correctly, she won't leave the town that you're in. I believe she stays in mm. the town. Like, she'll be your party. She'll The dog will follow you around, but then once you leave the town, she won't be in it anymore. Oh, crud. I was about to say that if that were the case, when I get there, she's staying a dog. Because one of the reasons oh. I want to play, like, uh, like uh, Tales of Vesperia, is that you have a dog with a sword in its mouth that fights for you in your party. And, like, that's one of the reasons I'm getting Pokemon Sword, is because the legendary is a dog with a sword in its mouth. And so I was really hoping that the princess of Moonbrook was going to be was going to be a dog and she would fight with you. I didn't know she would be a no. dog with a sword in her mouth, but No, no, no. She's actually she's actually a pretty good spellcaster. I really liked um she's very powerful, but so here's the here's another thing is the the AI for the tactics and everything in Dragon yeah. Quest 2 is not the best. It's one of those that didn't have the AI originally, and then they added it into some remakes. Um, like it's, I mean, it's definitely there on the mobile one. Right. I don't, I don't know what at what point down the like chain they added this in, but the AI was not terribly good. Like I know, I think I complained to you about this at the time. Was that I tried to play this game, even just minor enemy encounters, with the setting uh, to fight wisely. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I remember. It, to- it totally didn't work because there were so many times that, uh, especially the Prince of, of Kanek, who, if you haven't played this game, you've probably seen a meme or a joke online <laughs> or something. The Prince of Kanek, yep. he dies all the time. Like, he's just pretty much always dead. I mean, I feel like in that game, I know this is kind of like a running joke with Dragon Quest 2, but it's kind of true. Like, I really feel like a lot of the time it was my hero the princess and then just this coffin like dragging <laughs> along behind them and that's been my favorite thing like that's why i knew about dragon quest 2 and and like how bad of a party member he was was because of that meme that i saw just like it may have been out, no context dragon quest the the twitter account that mm-hmm. i just saw a collection of like fan art of the Dragon Quest II hero, the princess, and just a coffin in all of these ridiculous situations. And, uh, like, uh, like I think one of them, like, they were at a dance party. It was just her dancing with a coffin, maybe. Like, it was, <laughs> it, like, these things are great because apparently he's terrible. And so it's going to frustrate me so badly. Yeah, I mean, there were there were several bosses, especially, like, in-game bosses, where he would just die, and I would just let him stay dead instead of trying to like waste a turn trying to revive him or anything. Right. And I even, I even beat, got through the final battle. Um, the prince died really early on, uh, like just you know, like second or third round. Um, I had it in my notes. It was the third round. Okay, he died within in like the third round of the final battle. And I just didn't bother like reviving him and just tried to power through with my hero and the princess doing her magic and like heals and stuff. Yeah. And and got through it because I learned kind of early on that if I'm wasting all this these precious turns just healing the prince every single turn, that just takes forever to like do anything. And uh anyway, so but going back to the princess, because I think that was like my original train of thought there is that I would get really annoyed because having it set to fight wisely because the princess would use like the last of her MP 
and she would cast Dazzle. It was always Dazzle. I don't know why, but she would always cast Dazzle on enemies and use up the last of her MP to cast Dazzle when the, especially the prince, but also the hero were like really low and needed heals. And she would just waste her MP on Dazzle instead, even though she totally would have enough MP to cast heal. And so I, and that was really early on in that game. So I set her to follow orders and just controlled her throughout the whole game and loved her so much more for that. Like, um, Dragon Quest 2, even though they added in the tactics and stuff, I think it's one of those games that you can't really use tactics for. Like, I, for the most part, most of the other games where they added in tactics, like, I could use Fight Wisely and things like that, at least for, like, the minor encounters. But Yeah, when you're doing just grinding out stuff like that, that yeah. usually tactics are fine, that it's only within the major battles and the boss battles and bonus battles and things like that that I end up switching to follow orders. Yeah, and so not in Dragon Quest 2. Like, it's just like you, you you switch it to follow orders, you control it all, and it's just, it's the, it's a much easier game if you do. It's still a hard game, but it's easier if you just follow orders. And I also wanted to mention, while we're talking about the characters here, uh, and while we're talking about the prince and how he's always a coffin, <laughs> that guy was just like such a pain in the butt for me. Um, like, I know I've complained about him a lot, and it was just kind of like, he's, his defense is not very good, he dies a lot, even at the beginning of the game, it's kind of annoying, because you keep having to go back and forth between, like, his kingdom, and, like, a cave, and other places, and everybody's like, oh, he's not here anymore, he's moved on to blah, 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 and then you keep going on, yep. and so... It was already kind of like, oh my gosh, when am I ever going to like finally find this guy? And then you get him, and like pretty much throughout the story, he just kind of whines a lot, and like he's almost um, like, oh man, I can't think of the word, you know, where you think you're sick, like someone's sick. Hypochondriac. So you hypochondriac, thank you. He's kind of a hypochondriac, and even, even like at one point in the game, there's this town, it's called Baron. Okay. And he you go to sleep at the inn, and then the next day you wake up and something's wrong with him. It doesn't tell you what. It's just like I don't know, he's got a case of like the vapors or something. <laughs> and <laughs> the vapors. I got the vapors. And anyway, you have to go and it actually sends you on like a little side journey with you and the princess. Where you have to travel like all the way across the world. And you have to get an Yggdrasil leaf and okay. revive him. And it's the only way to get him back is you have to go get this Yggdrasil leaf, take it back to Baron, and then uh, he feels revived once you use it on him. Otherwise, you just go and you talk to him, and he's basically like, oh, I can't get out of bed. I am so tired. And he just stays there. And so I found out much later, after I had beaten this game, that if you don't stay at the inn in Baron, it just doesn't happen. Oh. So okay. I would say maybe just don't stay at the inn there. It's not necessarily like it's not a necessity. Um, so uh, I would just say maybe don't stay at the inn in Baron. Just skip that part that, because that sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty good thing to know that I'm not going to be doing that. Yeah, and so it, I mean, and right now. I know it sounds like I'm complaining a lot about this game, and I really, I legitimately did 
like this game and even learn to love it. And I have some really fond memories uh, with it. And so, you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm just going to be sitting here, like, complaining for the next, like, 30 minutes or hour or however long. Um, the game does make a lot of improvements, I think, from the very first one. First of all, you, you have that full party lineup, which is really nice. I mean, it's three instead of the typical four you get in Dragon Quest. But it's still really nice having a party. And it's uh, a lot. It's It's both good and bad at that point. Because you have a lot more freedom when you have a party to be able to make mistakes. And it's much easier to uh, not die and be sent back home and lose your stuff. But also at the same time, you have to worry about equipping them. Which is my least favorite part of games like this on mobile. Because I tend not to uh, not to want to go to shops and, and compare everything when I'm playing a game in spurts. When I'm doing it just a little bit here and there. So that's one of the uh, the small things about Dragon Quest 1 on mobile that was nice. Like, oh, this is a better sword. I'm going to put this on. And I'm going to go on out, outside and fight things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is one thing that kind of... Um, I guess I really like about the first Dragon Quest game. Is that there's one dude you worry about. Like, if you get a weapon, you get some armor, you put it on that one guy. And with this one... You kind of have to even it out. But I, I will say, though, one thing I like about the game is that the, uh, the like, legendary equipment and, like, weapon, uh, I can't even remember if it's actually called, like, Erdrick's armor in this one. I don't think it is. I think it's just, like, legendary armor. But you, um, it's split up. So, like, the hero gets one piece, the, the, okay. uh, prince gets a piece, the princess, I think, even gets, like, I think it's the helmet is what she gets. She gets okay. a little something, too. Um, so that, so that is nice of them that they did split that up at least. So it wasn't just like your hero had all of the good stuff, um, which I've kind of gone back and forth on whether I, that's a good thing or not. And I think it is. Like, I think I like that they split it up that way. Um, yeah, but because it, usually in games, like, I tend to give the special armor, if it is something you can spread around, like the best armor, I give it to the hero no matter what. And then all of my other characters kind of get the hand-me-downs. And I don't know if I'm the only one who does this, but basically, in like in 11, I'll have my main party, and then always the, the hero, the luminary, is going to have the by far best equipment. Then like whoever, I, I keep them in an order like of, of descending importance, and then I will give this person the next best one that uh, I've just taken off of the hero then the next person in line gets that next best thing and just continually move it down the line instead of equipping everybody all the time with the absolute best equipment that i possibly can and that's that's kind of why i'm glad that like you have to in this one put the legendary armor on one of the party members as opposed to well on each of the party members as opposed to one of them yeah and and i also like I think, again, this is something I go back and forth on, but I like that it's predetermined, so it's like, the hero has to get this, the right. Prince of Kanak has to get this, the princess has to get this, where it's not like you, it's not just like, it's like, nope, you have to, you know, choose yourself, because decisions like that in games really, like, mess with me, where I, I tend to be very indecisive about that kind of stuff, um, and especially in games that, like, warn you ahead of time, that's like, are you sure this is the choice you want to make? It's going to like drastically affect uh-huh. your characters or the story or whatever. I always like, I'm like, 
No. I, I look it up that... online, like what most people do. Like at that point, I'm like, am I going to completely ruin the rest of this game for myself somehow? And I look up what most people do who have played it multiple times, if there's something like that. So I make sure that I don't like have something that I'm almost unable to help, almost unable to power through at that point. I did that with the Guardians of the Galaxy, the Telltale series. You know how it gives you choices in that game all the time? Yeah. I, I, see, I don't look it up because I kind of like want to, like I don't want it spoiled, I guess. I don't know. Like, I, I guess I haven't played a game yet where it, like, it affects me that much. But in, in the Guardians game, like I killed Drax or I let Drax die, Oh, I guess, which is, I think, and I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since I've played that one, but I'm pretty sure he like, comes back he's not really dead like everybody but everybody gets mad at you because you let him fall to like kill this giant space worm and like yeah. you're like the whole crew gets mad at you and for the longest time i was like oh man i screwed up i had totally like i didn't expect the game to just like kill drax but then i'm like 99 percent sure i remember in a later episode that he like comes back and he ha- he didn't really die he like fought off the worm or whatever so, but for the longest time i thought i'd killed drax and i felt really guilty about it <laughs> which is what telltale does i mean that's one of the things they want you to feel things like that so yeah uh another good improvement for dragon quest 2 though is it kind of has the the beginnings of job roles in right. this one like you know the hero is definitely that kind of hero you know he fights with a sword he has a shield that kind of thing the the prince, I think at least, is kind of the early makings of the mage class because he has really low defense like the mages do in Dragon Quest. He's got the, those kind of magic buffs and different things that a lot of the mages tend to have in these yeah. games. And then the princess is, you know, the healer for the party. Um, but she does have some of the mage abilities too. So it's kind of like the, I mean, it's pretty basic stuff, but I definitely think it's the kind of the beginning of job roles in this game uh which i like you also get you get a ship right like oh a, that ship yeah and i think i could be totally wrong about this um and i i, I couldn't find anything online that just told me explicitly i mean, granted i also didn't look super hard <laughs> which, but yeah. but i did you know do a basic google search and all but i think this might be the first video game like that to have a ship for world exploration it might be, yeah, because I'm trying to think of others at that point. Like, like at this point, like I can't remember what year DQ2 originally came out. Was it 87? Maybe I think and it was. I, I think it was 87. Yeah, and I can't think of any others that had been released at that point that had a ship. Yeah, I think it was like really early 1987 is when it originally released. Because I want to. I mean, it was just like right on the heels of the first one. You know, January 26th, 87. Oh, you just looked it up. Yep. Hey, I was right. <laughs> so very early in uh, 1987, and I can't yeah. think of any at that point that that had any anywhere near the the open world kind of exploration that you have in this one. Because even like Legend of Zelda and things like that, where you you run around is a very small area technically, and this one is pretty massive. Yeah, I mean. There's a ship. There's also the warp pools, the little teleportal things right. that you can step on. Uh, and this one, which definitely got me lost on more than one occasion. 
Which, yeah, that'll happen. Anytime there are warp things like that, I'm going to get lost in a game that doesn't have like a full world map. And this one, I know, is a much bigger map than the first one, where it's like two and a half times as big as Dragon Quest One, where it was uh, 100 by 100, uh, and then this one is 256 by 256, I know, where I had uh, read that at one point, where it's a lot bigger than the Ooh. first game. So as you're used to exploring, and I know like Troidal Power and a few others have been talking uh, with me where they're like, I'm just wandering around and I just keep going all these places. And I'm like, Dragon Quest Two is so much more than the, the first one was just in terms of that openness. Um, I think the second one also uh, was the first one to have like gambling mini games because oh, cool. it had that it had that uh, like Timbola Tombola. Oh yeah, you get a Tombola ticket. Yeah, yeah, that you you take it to certain NPCs and cities, and it's like a really weird like slot machine type game where you you. It's like there's different symbols, you know, like a heart or like a triangle, those kind of things. It reminds me of the... You remember that in Super Mario Brothers 3? Yes, I do. Where, where you could go in and if you got like three mushrooms in a row, you yep. get like a mushroom and different things like that. That's what it really, really reminds me of. I was always, I was really bad at the Tumbola stuff in Dragon Quest 2 because um, I either wouldn't win or I would win just enough to get another ticket <laughs> <laughs> just like and the lottery I, in real life yeah and i was like eh, i don't think i'm going to uh i don't think i'm gonna spend a lot of time on this like i, I i've enjoyed the casinos and other kind of gambling mini games that are in later dq right. games but the uh the tombola uh tickets are uh you know not my favorite and then we also get uh, the churches. You don't just have to go to the one king in the castle to save your game. You can actually go to, like, I even think Dragon Quest 2 is not even just churches. There's, like, old men in a couple of towns. That let you that save you, at them? Yeah, you just go and there's, like, an old dude. And he's, like, you know, he speaks his, like, that, like, really proper, like, Middle English, pseudo-Middle English. Yeah. And it's, like... Uh, basically asking you if you want to save. And of course, you should say yes, because <laughs> yes. this, this game is hard. If you are not on mobile, then save at literally every opportunity you can. And if you are on mobile, then quick save at any opportunity that you remember to. Oh yeah, take advantage of that quick save. Like For me, I care nothing about having like gamer cred. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, I'm going to take advantage of that quick save every chance I get because I would rather do that and like play through the game, see the story, have fun with it than not take advantage of quick save for like bragging rights or whatever and then just die and have to replay another like two hours of game, you know? And the quick save in this one, let me just say that the quick save in Dragon Quest 1 and Dragon Quest 2, and I'm going to assume Dragon Quest 3, uh, when at least these three work the same, where in like, I'm used to the Final Fantasy quick saves, where you have to quit the game when you do it, where it's an overwritten file, you quick save, it moves you back to the menu, and then when you restart it, it erases that data. 
That's not the case with the Dragon Quest games. You save, you can continue immediately where you are, and when you start the game again, you can start back from that quick save data as opposed to a an adventurer's log. And it's it's ridiculously wonderful for this because it's I hate the quick save mechanic, that kind of memo save where it deletes it once you once you resume it. And this one does not do that. And it is so wonderful that it doesn't, and I love it, and I'm so happy about that. I, I think it's a I think it's a mobile versus DS because all of the the DS Dragon Quests or at least four five and six the three that I've played on the original like DS the quick save puts you back to the yes to the you menu. have to actually quit yeah you have to go back to like the home screen or whatever of the DS the mobile games and I've only played one two and three on mobile I think you've played four on mobile right uh, I've played part of it. I hated it and then got the DS version. Like, what, what, I don't even you, have it installed you... anymore right now to even check. Okay, I didn't know if you ever quick saved in 4 to see if it does that or not. I'm sure I did, because I can't remember if it's a mobile thing or if it's a 1, 2, and 3 thing. I, I'm pretty sure it's a mobile thing, because, I mean, it makes sense when people are playing on their phones. They don't, they're not going to typically... I think it's because they're not going to typically just sit there and play for long hours. I think they're trying right. to think of more like, you play it while you're waiting, you know, at the doctor, or waiting for the bus, or you know, while you're in the car. Hopefully, in not line, waiting for lunch at your <laughs> with your nephew. That's uh, when I was playing yesterday, actually. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's why it's. I think all the mobile versions have that. I definitely know one, two, and three do. But I've played, I, I you know, played the rest on DS or 3DS. Which Dragon Quest Eight on the 3DS, you know, has that kind of save function where you don't have to quit. You can just. Uh, do the quick save, and then keep playing. It's been so long since I played that one, I don't remember that, because I typically, on the DS, I typically just close the DS instead of thinking about quick saving. So that was uh, one of the things I don't remember about that one. Kind of like I said a couple times before, Dragon Quest II, it's hard. And I think that's why people seem like they don't like it, because I hear so many people like really dump on Dragon Quest 2 and so it's All always good so it's always good to hear for me at least I'm glad when I hear people like complimenting Dragon Quest 2 because I do really like the game and it is really hard it's probably the hardest Dragon Quest game at least in the main series it's also it's probably one of the hardest just RPGs I've ever played I mean even you know it's it's an 80s RPG all of those like late 80s early 90s JRPGs were all kind of all kind of are tough, you know. I don't know, and man. I've some of those Shin Megami Tensei games. They are insane. I'm not sure. This is it's going to take a lot to be harder than any actual Shin Megami Tensei game I've ever played. And I don't play those games, so I'm just saying out of the JRPGs I've played, mm. I think Dragon Quest Two is probably the hardest. Um. So, um. I'm also, and this feels weird, but I also I feel like. I'm a better like gamer after beating it, after beating it. I could see that like, after all the the rage texts that I've be, that I've gotten from you before you beat it and as you beat it that uh, I can see that you've made I could see that it I don't even know how to put this. I could see that it has made you better at making those decisions and figuring things out. I could see how it would do that. I mean, it's definitely like every Every game I've played since then, and I'm pretty sure all but one of those games have been an RPG. Every game I've played since beating two, like I definitely feel more confident because I'm like, if I can beat Dragon Quest two, I can beat anything. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I understand. I totally, like, that's how I started running. I did a couch to 5K thing on the hottest record day that we had ever had. And while it was dangerous, it was like, you know what? I can run anything now. I've made it through that. I feel like I'm going to die. Let's do this. And I started running more often and better and enjoying it after that. Because like, okay, cool. I've done this. I understand that about uh, Dragon Quest 2 as well. Uh-huh. And, totally good. And, and I will say, for those people who, who don't like Dragon Quest 2, even hate Dragon Quest 2, like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I myself almost, I almost quit several times, uh, during this playthrough. Um, mm-hmm. back in, back in like January, I even had an entire like blog post about like all the times I almost quit and how I was kind of glad, uh, that I stuck with it, I guess. And, um, so just kind of speaking to that, uh, allow me, if you will, to take you on a very, Brief journey of all the times, uh, Austin, I'm just going to refer to myself in third person now. All the times Austin almost quit Dragon Quest 2. I like um, to call this the tale of Austin and the sunken treasure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that was the first time. Um, like early on in Dragon Quest 2, I liked it better than the first one. Um, I liked it. The characters, you know, kind of had more personality. I liked that there was kind of a party and something close to a job system. It feels like like there's more of a structure to the beginning Uh of it, as opposed to just kind of being thrown in Mm -hmm. to, uh, to like, Hey, you need to do this wander. And it's, Oh yeah. The first part of the game definitely has more structure. The rest of it, once you get your whole party, it's kind of a lot like the first dragon quest, but, um, you know, it's got those spells, abilities, more of those, more gear, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the world, like you've mentioned, it's a lot bigger. You got a lot more things to explore. So I really liked it. But then at some point in my playthrough, I got to this part where I was supposed to find sunken treasure. For those of you who played this game, you know what part I'm talking about. And it was terrible for a number of reasons because I, so, so like I said earlier, Dragon Quest II, it's basically just an open world RPG. Once you get your ship, uh, between the ship and the warp, the warp, warp pools. Oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to say that. Um, it's basically open world. And so, um, there's just a lot of options, a lot of places you can go. So I knew early on from talking to some NPCs that there was going to be treasure out here in the ocean in this certain part. And so I was like, cool, you know, it sounds like something I'm supposed to go get. So maybe I should, you know, go up there and find this sunken treasure. Um, so I went out there and like nothing was there. And I was like, okay, maybe I didn't talk to the right NPC. Because some, you know, some of these games you have to like talk to certain people to get stuff to open up, right? Right. And so I went out there. Still didn't see anything. Talk to like everybody in the town. Talk to that NPC that tells you where it's located like three or four times and still couldn't find it. So then I know I was texting you about it. I get online and spent literally hours of my time trying to find out like what's going on with the treasure. 
And oh yeah, it was it was yeah it was hours that you were texting me a lot. I don't remember what I was playing at the time, but I know that I stopped playing it a lot because we were texting so much at that point. Like I remember folding up my DS, and it was hilarious to me because you were so mad. And yeah, like and I remember trying to convince you to keep playing it because you had started the blog to play all of them throughout the year. Yeah, and and I even you even sent me. You would send me links to stuff, and you were like, here's something for, like, Game Facts, or here's something on Reddit. And I'd be like, nope, already read that. Didn't work. Nope, already read that. Didn't work. <laughs> yep. And and some of that was because a lot of the information that's online is from earlier versions of the game. And because I was playing mobile, it was harder to dig up the correct stuff for the mobile version. Um, and so that was, and at least back when I was playing it, it was. Maybe now that it's been out longer, there's some more like mobile information out there. Uh, there's also some problems because, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, uh, the names in the mobile version are different. Like the locations and different things right. have different names. So I was having to learn, you know, multiple names for the same place to try to figure stuff out. So I was always like cross-referencing stuff. It was I felt like I was in college again and having to like do all this like cross-referencing, like MLA style, all this like, you know, awful like academic stuff, and just to try to get, you know, the sunken treasure. I watched some videos, um, the vid- the videos that were available online at the time, you know, showed where the sunken treasure was, so I would get in my ship and go back there, and it would be nothing. Um, I found out through, like, I think it was on GameVax, that uh, they said that the location of the treasure ha- had changed a little bit from the original, oh. and that the animation was different. And... Uh, so, because other people, I guess, were having the same trouble I was. So I was like, okay, great. So the names have changed. The location has changed a little bit. The animation has changed. And I can't find anything for the actual mobile version. So I'm like, never going to get this treasure. And you have and, to get this treasure to move on, right? It's not an optional I, quest. Like, you have to finish this to to continue and beat the game. So I'm going to answer that. Hold on just a second. I've got a little more like ranting to do first. <laughs> and then I will answer that. I promise. I'm getting there. But anyway, so after, you know, I read all these facts, I did all watched all these videos, cross-referenced the names, just spending way too much time on Reddit. Reddit can be a dark place if you spend too much time there. I like and to I say spent, anytime. If you spend any time on there. It's anyway, so like it was just this whole ordeal to find the sunken treasure, and I still couldn't find it. And so I sat the game down, you know, I restarted the game because I was like, maybe it's a bug, uh, you know, maybe there's just some problem with it. So still could not find the sunken treasure. And so eventually, though, the sunken treasure was there. The animation looked just as clear, and it was in the exact location that the mobile video I found for it showed me where it was, and it was a spot that I had ran over a million times, but the animation would never pop. And so there's two kickers to this story. Number one is that I still have no clue what I did to make the sunken <laughs> treasure appear. Like, I, I don't know what I did. I mean, I I talked to the those NPCs, especially people online tell you to talk to to make right. it pop. Talk to those over and over again countless times. You know, that didn't do it. I just... I you know, circled the ship over the same few places, like just over and over again, probably hundreds of times. Nothing ever showed up. 
And so that's, that's number one that gets me is that I have no clue what it was. I don't know if it was a bug. I don't know if I was doing something wrong. I don't know if I had overlooked something and that I did, I talked to the NPCs in a different order that last time and that's what did it or what. But whatever the reason, to this day, I still don't know what I did right to make the sunken treasure appear, but it did. And so I didn't just like rage quit over sunken treasure. Kicker number two, which also answers your question, is that after, like a month after I had beaten Dragon Quest II, I found out that the sunken treasure is optional. Oh no, I didn't you know that. Apparently, you don't have to do it at all. It's completely optional. So all the hours that I spent trying to find the treasure was just like... I think I, I think in my blog I even talked about that it was just like salt in my open angry wounds. <laughs> that I was just like, no, I can't believe it's optional. Um, and but apparently it is. I didn't read that much into it other than the fact that people online said that it was optional. And so I don't know what I did to make it pop, but it is optional. And um, so yeah, so that's my story regarding the sunken treasure part of Dragon Quest 2. Um, and then after that, I started enjoying the game uh, for a long time after that. I kept enjoying the game. Um, and then I almost quit a second time. Um, but before we get into that, I think it's time for that special segment we like to call Shameless Self-Promotion. Shameless! You did it differently this time. I did. You're mixing it up. I like that. I like that. We talked about our Patreon at the beginning of the episode, and we thanked the uh, the people who are our patrons so far. So do you want to tell everybody a little bit extra about our Patreon real quick? Uh, just very quickly, you can find it at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm. We have a Discord role for Erdrick's long-lost cousin. We have uh, where you can have a listener's choice, kind of tell us what you want us to hear. We'll have an obscure Dragon Quest games episode coming up from a patron uh, very, very soon. Uh, we'll have to uh, get through a few more of the uh, the uh, obscure Dragon Quest games to, to actually make sure that there's a good episode there. And so if you want to uh, check anything like that out, it's patreon.com slash Dragon Quest FM. And again, we would also like to give a shout out to one of our favorite podcast apps, Podcoin. It is a podcast app where you can listen and actually make money. While that might sound like a scam, it's actually not. What you do is you download the app and you listen and you earn pod coins. And this is a kind of currency that you can then trade in for different gift cards, for donations to the charity of the month. And the more that you do that, the more that you can earn. I know a lot of people who are doing this, and it's really, really good. So if you go there and you use the promo code GEEK, then you can get 300 extra pod coins. And you can support us by getting us more listens and promotion on the side as a bonus podcast. We would really appreciate it. So thank you guys. And uh, we use it ourselves. So try out PodCoin. And scene. And we're back. So uh, the other time that I came really close to quitting was there's this place. It's called the Cave of Renderak. Uh, if you played an earlier version of the game, it's called the Cave of Roan in the earlier versions, right. which I know because of also having to spend some time Googling things about the Cave of Renderak. 
most of the information I could find online called it the Cave of Rome because right. it's been the Cave of Rome for like years and years and years. Because you um, don't have enough characters in the previous versions to actually spell out Renderac, and you have like five characters max generally. Oh, I totally did not know that. I just yeah, learned something new. Yeah, it's to be able to fit on the cartridges. That's why you're limited to certain uh, characters for different characters' names the older you get back. Like, you might have four characters or five characters instead of, like, having the dozen or more that you have now. And it was specifically because every ca extra character that you had in your character's name uh, took up extra space on that cartridge that had to be replaced, had to replace something else. Mm -hmm. So in order to make sure that, uh, that you had... So in order to make sure that you were the most efficient at it, that was one of the easier things to do. That's why instead of like Erdrick, we had Roto and Lodo uh, because of the characters. That's why uh, different different games were like Link and things like that. Where... Oh, okay, cool. Well, I totally learned something. I mean, I, I've played a lot of old games like that. Um I grew up playing them, and I totally never realized that things had short names because it was like a cartridge deal. Yeah, if you go back and look, a lot of them will have much shorter names, like the Game Boy Advance, not Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Color versions, I want to say of these, only give you four, uh, but I'm not 100% on that. But yeah, they're, they're absolutely for space reasons that we don't really have to deal with now. Gotcha, so... Now we just edit in one of those, like, the more you know, uh, stars oh, falling, know. like, with the music or whatever yep. that used to play on, like, NBC. Um, and for those of you who are, like, under a certain age, you probably have no clue what we're talking about. Because uh, that's probably a 90s thing, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. But anyway, the more you know. Uh, but so getting back to Cave of Renderac. The Cave of Renderac, it's probably my least favorite dungeon of any game I have ever played in my entire life. It is, it is the dungeon equivalent of sticking my thumb in a fan, um, which you which, did in the last episode. Yeah, you edited that out though, right? No, so I did not. Oh, dude, are you serious? I did not. I told that's, you I wasn't editing it out. It is still there. So if you guys haven't listened to episode whatever that was, episode ten of Dragon Quest FM, go back and you'll hear Austin stick his thumb in a fan because I thought it was funny. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. So let, <laughs> so let me apologize to everybody who listened to the last episode, too. I was on very strong prescription, like, cold medicine, and I already felt bad. And, you know, that prescription cold medicine really messed with me. I actually had to stop taking it because it was giving me, like, night terrors and things. And so I, I haven't not listened to the episode, and I barely remember recording it because I was so zonked out of my mind. So just apologies um, to sticking my thumb in the fan since apparently BJ left that in there and any other like too crazy, <laughs> maybe crazy stuff I said. But uh, the Cave of Renderac, the Cave of Renderac is the equivalent of that. It's the dungeon equivalent of being zonked out on cold medicine and sticking your thumb in a fan. That's what the Cave of Renderac was to me. So it's already, you've probably heard of it before, it's kind of like infamous, I guess, notorious uh, for how difficult it is. It's very late in the game and um, I, I didn't know at the time that I was playing how like infamous it was until I started, I kept getting lost inside of it and finally just decided to like Google how to get through the cave. Yeah. Um, cause I was trying to do it with, I try, when I play these games, I try to do it like without guides or spoilers, but then, you know, if something happens like sunken treasure, or I get lost in the cave of Renderac, I'm not too 
proud to just like Google it and get my way out of there so I can get on with stuff. And the way that I look at it is I try not to do any kind of guide or, or looking up spoilers or anything like that or lower the difficulty until a game becomes unfun. That when a game stops being fun for me and it just becomes frustrating to the point where I want to quit, I will look something up online and look at a guide because that's not the reason I play games anymore. That that There's only been one time that I've done that recently, and that was Marvel Ultimate Alliance, where I chose to die on the Doctor Strange hill. That I was like, I'm not lowering the difficulty on this. I will beat you or I will die trying. And after a very long time, I finally beat him. But uh, that's the way that, that I, I feel about dungeons like this. It's like, if I stop having fun going through it and I just like get stressed, it's like, okay, I'm going to look up and see what's going on because I'm obviously not going to be able to do this and maintain my sanity. The first problem with the Cave of Renderac that I remember is there's kind of like the first game where it has that like infinite loop or infinite staircase, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, there's one of those. And so well, actually there's, there's more than one, but I, I got stuck in one and I was like, oh crap, not another one of these things. And so I uh, totally, uh, you know, looked at like a, I looked up a map basically to see how to not get stuck in these endless staircases because I, you know, tried to get out of there myself. It didn't, didn't work. It was just kind of like miserable. And so I looked at a fact to get me through there and I was like, cool, you know, I'm not stuck in the infinite staircases anymore. But then there's also, um, I guess you would call them pitfalls. Okay. Holes where you fall to a different level. What happens is you'll be walking and uh, there's just random pitfalls and you fall through it and then you land into the basement of the dungeon. Right. And there's all these really strong skeletons that will just like run at you and oh. just like totally just like slaughter you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there, you fall through the basement and all these monsters, just the skeletons, they charge you. And um, I got to be honest, the first time it happened, I died like real good. Like, <laughs> I mean, those monsters are tough in that cave anyway. There's tons of these skeleton monsters that will appear. And I just couldn't even get back to like the starting location of the cave, you know. And so, so luckily I had done a quick save at some point, like before or right after one of the like endless loops and so I, I just loaded up my quick save and did that and so then eventually I was like I'll just avoid that spot well then I fell through another pitfall and then after I fell through like three or four I was just like screw this I'm gonna look at a fact for this whole cave and so I pulled it up started looking at maps for the pitfalls too and Sure, that's probably technically cheating, but you know what? I got out of that cave and, uh, you know, <laughs> got out of the cave, never looked back. Um, and just as like a brief aside right here, the enemies in that cave are like really tough. I mean, uh, the difficulty curve, uh, I think we might, I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or if just you and I talked about it that the difficulty curve in Dragon Quest II is, like, super insane. Right, yeah, I know you and I have. Where I guess I read at some point that it was, like, a coding issue, um, that, like, the they even admit that they just, like, they coded some stuff in wrong and didn't take into account, like, how the monsters would level up as the players level up, and so it made it just, like, stupidly hard there towards the end. 
Yeah, the way that they did the math would uh, basically, wasn't it multiplicative as opposed to additive so that all of a sudden things were just massively overpowered yeah. for you? Yeah, it, it's it's something like that. Either way, it's like, I mean, you know, it's it's a early Dragon Quest game, so you have to kind of grind some to advance the story and get through certain areas. But then all of a sudden it just turns into this game where like you are fearful every time a random encounter happens because <laughs> it's like you're you might just die. Like every every random encounter is almost as hard as a boss fight, especially once you especially once you make it out of that cave. But um, you know even the enemies in there are difficult. I want to say that's where you run into like the uh, the lunatics, the little. Mm-hmm. They're like little ticks that can like confuse you and do all sorts of bad stuff to your party. It's just, um, you know, I, I got a lot of game overs uh, playing Dragon Quest Two. Even like taking advantage of like looking at maps and the quick save and stuff. I, I, I like you know, finally got through it. Um, and so between the sunken treasure and the cave of Renderak, I had. Um, you know, some pretty tough but memorable moments in Dragon Quest 2. Um, and then, of course, I know I've mentioned it here before, but then uh, once you get through all that, there's still the final dungeon to get through. And you have to take on Hargon, who is the final boss, right? Now, when you, the final dungeon of this, so that's not the Cave of Renderak or Roan. Like, there's something beyond that. No, you have to, yeah, you have to get through that cave to get over into, like, the, uh, I think it's just called, maybe it's called Renderak. Anyway, it's the little, there's, like, a little, it's all, it's basically Mordor, where there's, like, mountains oh. surrounding it, and you have to go through this cave to get in to, like, Hargon's land, and, um, you know, there's, like, you have to find items and, like, they call them sigils in the game, things like this to, like, there, anyway, it's a huge part of the game is basically unlocking this path so you can get into this area now i'm really curious about this because i haven't gotten to that part in dragon quest 2 yet but i feel like and here are some minor spoilers so for the next couple of minutes y'all if you haven't played dragon quest builders 2 um i'm gonna have a little minor spoilers because this game ties in very closely with uh builders 2 so uh, just just hit the forward 45 seconds a couple of times. But I'm to the point right now in Builders 2 where I found Renderak. And it is like you describe in Dragon Quest 2, surrounded by mountains and all of this, but it's beautiful and dreamlike and kind of looks like a, uh, a fairy wonderland. Uh, just, just green and beautiful flowers everywhere, colorful. And I know that there's a dungeon after I finish this part of the game. And I'm really curious how much of it is going to be like the final dungeon in 2. Because you've mentioned that there's another part in uh, Builders 2 that looks almost identical to what the the final dungeon was. And so it looks like a ruined version of it. Like So I'm really curious on how all of this is going to tie together because I haven't beaten Builders 2 yet. I'm getting close to it, so but I know they're so tied together that I'm like, how closely is Renderak? I've already been through the cave of Renderak, uh, and, uh, which, by the way, that's where liquid metal slimes are, if you're ever looking. And they, uh, they spawn there because I found one. And oh, I, I didn't find one when I was going through that area. And so I was very happy to find it. And also, pro tip for 
for metal slimes in general on here. Um, the poison needle that I love so much that I've mentioned a couple of times in the last couple episodes, it never does zero damage to the metal slimes. It always does damage to them. So it is so much easier to kill them, just swapping to it. It doesn't one-hit kill them or anything, any more than anything else, but it actually always does damage. So you'll do one 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 and they die, as opposed to zero 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 run, zero zero one zero zero run. That is, that is the best way to kill metal slimes that I've found in Builders 2. So while, before we continue with Dragon Quest 2 and while we're talking about a few Builders 2 spoilers, um, the, so I'm, at, I'm in the same, like I got to Renderak as well. You're a little bit ahead of me in the story right now with Builders right. 2. But in, in Dragon Quest 2, the, uh, the environments are switched. So it's like, it's really nice and pretty outside in green in Dragon Quest 2. And then it's all snowy and like ashen and, okay. and like barren, I guess, uh, in the, uh, uh, once you make it through in Dragon Quest 2. So it's kind of like those environments have swapped in okay. Builders 2. I'm not sure if there's a reason for that because of all the NPCs talking about illusions and stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's kind of just something for you to take home or whatever. Right, for, and so uh, I'm, very, I'm very curious on how all of this is going to play out in 2 because I know what's going on in, or in Builders 2. So I'm really curious how it's going to play out because I know what's going on in actual Dragon Quest too, so it's really interesting. I love how they're tying everything together there. So yeah. So anyway, so there's actually there's that whole little area once you make it through the cave, uh, and thankfully there's like a church and everything, so that you can save and kind of and grind for a little while because the monsters in that area are really tough, but they also give a lot of experience. So that's a nice thing that, ha- that has a church really close by like that. Um, I'm pretty sure you cannot like zoom or anything like that to it. I think once you, if you leave that area, it's like you have to go back through the cave of Renderak. And you're like, no, no. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah I'm nope. like, no, no, I'm good. So, uh, and then there's the last, the last area. You go to like Hargon's castle and everything. And then. And that's a dungeon. Uh, that, that you have to work your way through to get to Hargon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it, it's very similar to uh, to the first Dragon Quest game. Um, it's a little different. It's not the same place. You can actually visit the Dragon Lord's castle in uh, Dragon Quest 2. Um, like, I don't think it's yeah. required at all, but you can totally go back to, to Carlot Castle. Charlot Castle, Carlot yeah. Castle. You go there, and then the Dragon Lord... Or maybe it, I think he's supposed to be like a descendant of the Dragon Lord from the first Dragon Quest game. Yeah, he, he's just sitting in there. Like you, you go and you talk to him, and it's not even a fight or anything. And he's just like, um, you know, you need to go take care of that sorcerer Hargon. He's getting uppity, and I'm the real Dragon Lord, and you need to go <laughs> take care of him and put him back in his place. Fair enough. Um, That's so. So you can totally go back to you know that whole area, but the final dungeon is kind of similar in to the first one um and you go and you know you're all prepared for this final boss with Haran, and then um you know i thought i was pretty prepared i mean i grinded up a lot of levels and in the mobile version the levels are a lot higher than they were in the original like i think you can get up to 50 with all the characters i think so yeah i think they had changed that 
in the original you can't like the princess i think only goes up to like 35 i think that's what it is in the original um, yeah and your but your hero can still get up to 50 but in this one they can all get up really high and i was um in the upper 30s lower 40s the first time i attempted this and so you beat Hargon, he dies, and you're like, yay, I beat the game, right? Yeah, Just and play it into took my you a while here. to beat Hargon. Like, it took you more than once, I know. Yeah, and so I just wanted you to say right, by the way. I was I was fishing for a right so that I could say, wrong! <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong, because then Malroth shows up. <laughs> That's what I was going for. You just you went and played into my hand there. But anyway, wrong. Malroth shows up, and man, oh man, I know I've talked about this a lot, but Malroth is like the final boss to end all final bosses. Like, I think this is the... I play a lot of video games. I've played... And most of those are RPGs. Most of those are JRPGs. Right. And so I've had my, like, share of, like, final bosses and things, but there's something about Malroth that he is incredibly powerful, he gets to go, you know, multiple, uh, he has multiple turns every time. Um, and the, uh, honestly, I think it comes down to like RNG. Because, so I think I've said this in another episode. He beat me 14 times. It took me 14 tries to beat him, <laughs> which is an absurd amount of time. I mean, I quick saved like before, right before Hargon. And so, because, you know, like I said, I took advantage of that quick save. So I had it right before, so I didn't have to fight my way back through the dungeon. So I had all that. I ended up leaving the dungeon anyway and grinding up until all of my characters were, I think they were in the upper 40s. Okay. They weren't, they weren't maxed out, I don't think, but they were, they were a lot higher than my first attempt because I was like, yeah, I'm just going to have to go and like grind this up more. So I finally, I grinded up for a little while. Then I get all the way back to Hargon, fight him again. Had a quick save there again, too. I fight him again, and then get ready to take on Malroth. And I'm like, okay, I've leveled everybody up another, like, five or six levels. This has to be good enough. And he still, he would get, like, um, I would get really far to where I, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this in the bag. And then he would use, like, back-to-back -back fire breaths. And just my whole party would just be, like, dead, like, instantly. And so... I I did. It took me 14 tries, which is a personal record. <laughs> like I I don't consider myself bad at video games, but like this seriously was one of those things where I'm like, do I just suck, or is this like really hard? And I think the answer is probably a little bit of both. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, but with it being random like that, with them taking multiple turns and you not knowing which attacks are coming, and you even when you heal, I know you were telling me that you were healing up between major attacks too like oh i just i so looking here at my notes it, I, I said I, I went up eight levels that's how much i'm more i leveled up so finally after getting up eight levels from my like first attempt of going in there um i was able to beat him eventually but yeah i mean it was just i think it, a lot of it was just bad luck on my part i think a lot of it was based on rng because sometimes it'd be like i would uh, because i attempted to fight him so many times i kind of like saw this a lot and so sometimes it'd be like round two and then he uses fire breath like twice in a row and then you know i'm dead and then sometimes it'd be like i'd fight him for like a really long time and i'd be like i'm gonna beat it 
And then he would use fire breath twice in a row. Where it was like, there wasn't really a rhyme or reason or like pushing him through phases or anything like you see in bosses. Yeah. It was just kind of like, you know, he would use these attacks and I would die. And so um, I, I wanted, so, you know, I know I've talked about other times I wanted to give up. So this was one of those times that I was just like, you know, I made it to the very end here. Am I really not going to be able to beat this? Because I said I was going to play and beat every mainline Dragon Quest game in a year. And so I was kind of like wondering if I was going to have like an asterisk there by my name, kind of like, <laughs> kind of like a baseball player using steroids and hitting all those home runs. <laughs> like, like I was afraid I was going to be that. I was going to be one of those like steroid baseball players. Um, and I was going to, I was going to bury Bond's Dragon Quest 2. <laughs> and, um, and so I was, but I was really like afraid of that. And so, um, I ended up, that ended up not happening. And much like I'm sure I died a bunch because of luck, I think I beat Malroth because of luck. Because I think I'm convinced that that final fight with Malroth just has a lot to do with luck. And it's right after the Battle of Hargon. So there's not like a, uh, there's not like you can leave and like, you know, heal up or whatever, and then come back. And That's what I was gonna ask. Like, back. I know, do you have to beat Hargon every time that you go into Malroth, uh, or is there a gap between there where like you can save the game and not have to beat Hargon every single time you did it for fourteen times? No, I think. Um, let me think. I'm thinking. And again, it's been a long time since I've played this. I want to say what happens is you beat Hargon and there's a cutscene. And you don't really get to do anything yet. And he is like, oh, I give my body up to Malroth, Lord of Destruction. And then Hargon disappears and Malroth shows up and is yeah. like, surprise, I'm going to kill you. Um, oh, but. But it may be, I don't think this is Dragon Quest 2, but maybe it is. In one of the games, it's like you beat the first boss, and then you start to walk away, and then as you're trying to exit, like fire shows up all around to block your exit, Yeah. and then you go fight the other boss, so it's like you have a moment to heal oh, okay. and save, but I don't think it's Dragon Quest 2. Um, and maybe that one is too, but it's been it's just been so long since I played this game, you know, January was like a very long time ago um, to me. I mean, this is like, what, August pretty much? Yeah. Um, so um, I want to say there that it's the one that's just kind of a cutscene and doesn't give you a break, but it could be the fire thing that I'm talking about. I really don't remember. It's one of those two. Um, but, you know, I eventually beat Malroth, and I've come to love him. A little bit. I mean, a respect him at least. I have a Malroth toy hanging up right above my desk right here. I mean, I'm looking at him right now and he doesn't look so bad. He's just like chilling out. That's what I was going to say. It's like, I know you bought a toy for Malroth. Like, it was one of those things where he beat you so much that you just started to love him. That you spent so much time with him that it was a professional respect between you. Yeah, I mean, he's become the most memorable play boss fight of any game I've ever played. And part of that is because, you know, I mean, you can't really hope to like destroy a guy 14 times and then get beaten time and time again and it not be memorable. Yeah. And so, 
yeah, you know, I have him sitting up there. Um, I love him in human form in Dragon Quest Builders too. I do too. Um, I love him so much. And so, I guess just generally, um, I know this episode's kind of going long, uh, but you know, we did have a, it's a big game, so I know we had a lot to talk about today. Um, but I guess just kind of my like last thoughts, last opinions here is that. Um, you know, Dragon Quest Two. I think it's a fun but flawed game. It right. is pretty. It is pretty grind heavy. Um, and you know, Malroth is a pretty uh, big final boss to take on. Uh, but uh, if you, you know, and if you've played other early Dragon Quest games and you haven't played this one, then I definitely think you should play it. If you've never played any of the earlier Dragon Quest games, I wouldn't start with two. I mean, just. Not only because, I mean, like, chronologically and story-wise, I don't think it makes sense. Like, I definitely think you should play them as one, two, and then three. For sure. Um, I think you get more out of them that way. Um, but if you've played one, you've played three, um, or one or three, and you kind of know what to expect from those earlier Dragon Quest games, you know, I, I mean, I recommend to. It's, it's not my least favorite Dragon Quest game. Um, I like it better than quite a few of the other ones in the series. But it is a tough game, and I think that's probably why people uh, dislike it so much, is because it is absurdly difficult at times, and um, it's not as it's not as simple as the first Dragon Quest. The Dragon the first Dragon Quest game is difficult, but it's simple because you have one character. There's not a whole whole lot to explore, and you know then you have Dragon Quest three, of course, which is just like amazing. And so I think Dragon Quest Two kind of gets lost in the mix between those two. When you just looking at the Erdrick trilogy, there, at least, yeah, of like course, Dragon yeah, Dragon Quest Two kind of kind of gets lost in that mix because you have like the game that basically you know inspired every JRPG that came after it with the first Dragon Quest game, and then you have Dragon Quest Three, which is one of the greatest JRPGs of all time, and then you have Little Dragon Quest Two in the middle that people kind of dump on and don't like. <laughs> you are one of the few people I know who really likes this game. Who when when I when when it's brought up, you defend it as being a good game and I see a lot of other people just being like, "Oh, two. Oh, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe just skip that one entirely." Yeah, and it's and I think it's because I had so much trouble with it that I feel like I earned it and I feel like I know this sounds stupid because it's a game, but I feel like we came to respect one another. <laughs> and I know I know it can't respect me at all, but in my head at least, I feel like I respect it. It respects itself. Like, we're all good. I kind of look at it almost like a... Uh, I look at Dragon Quest 2. This sounds cheesy, I know. But I look at Dragon Quest 2 kind of like I look at my younger brother. It's like we fought a lot when we were kids, you know? Like me and my, my brother Micah, we fought a lot because he was my little brother. And I fought a lot with Dragon Quest 2 when I was playing it. But then, like, now that I'm away from it, like, I love it. And, like, I look back at my memories with it fondly, you know, even, like, the bad stuff. Like, the fighting and stuff. I look back on it kind of fondly, like I do my memories with my brother in childhood. And it's like, if you talk bad about it, it's like it's my brother, so I'm going to defend it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, I don't have a brother, so I can't say that. But it's like, I understand. But, yeah, it's like, like growing up. Like I'll, so, so this is kind of... Uh, off subject a little bit, but I remember my brother and I, like, I mean, you know, it was just us. It was just me and my brother growing up. We were pretty rambunctious. 
And we would, I mean, there'd be times when we were just fat, like, flat out brawling with each other, you know, just like punching and everything. And I remember, uh, you know, we would fight a lot of times. And I remember one of my distant cousins came over one time and was, he was bigger than both of us and he was trying to bully us. And so, you know, we joined forces yep. <laughs> and, and just like totally, I remember we got in huge trouble because we gained up on him and like really beat him up. And, <laughs> and I remember his parents were like super just angry at my parents and it was this whole like ordeal. But anyway, that's kind of how I feel about Dragon Quest too. It's like people dump on it, but then it's like, but at the end of the day you have its back. Yeah, so that's kind of how I feel about Dragon Quest 2. I hope that analogy kind of translates, um, but that's kind of how I feel about Dragon Quest 2. <laughs> I think that's a good place to stop on that uh, that you consider Dragon that you consider Dragon Quest 2 your brother, <laughs> my little brother. <laughs> yeah, yep. that's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everybody uh, for listening uh, to the podcast today. Remember. Uh, you can talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM. Uh, you can leave us voice messages and sign up to our newsletter uh, on our website, which is DragonQuest.FM. Uh, you can talk to me personally on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at underscore Austin underscore King. And you can also check out my weekly Dragon Quest blog. You can find that at DragonQuestAustin.com. And you can find me on Twitter as at Professor Beej. That's B-E-E-J. Uh, you can listen to me on my other podcast, the geek to geek podcast uh, at geek to geekcastcom And you can check out the entire media network we're a part of at geek to geekmediacom where you can see all of the other podcasts, live streams, and blogs that we have for you. You can also find links to our Slack and Discord there where you can join us and talk about Dragon Quest all day long. Da, 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 da. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>